The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. I'd like to uh, read you a poem by Rumi, uh, but first to check whether you can all hear me well enough. Everybody here? Okay, great. If you can't at any point, raise your hand. (laughs) So this poem is entitled, Close the Door of Words. Close the door of words that the window of your heart may open. To see what cannot be seen, turn your eyes inward and listen in silence. So I find it hard to take a poem in on first reading, so I'm going to read it again. Close the door of words that the window of your heart may open. To see what cannot be seen, turn your eyes inward and listen in silence. So I like this poem because it's a little bit like uh, our formal sitting practice. Close the door of words uh, says a little bit to me about how um, we in this practice pass beyond words that are preconceived ideas or concepts. Instead of stereotyping our experience, we try to show up for what's actually happening right now. Instead of thinking, oh, here it goes again, or I'm failing at meditation practice, or I'm an angry person, or why can't I stop this craving, or any of the things that tend to be ideas that we develop and kind of harden around um, over time, we may, uh, just by closing that door on concepts and showing up for what's happening, be able with, with a lot of time and patience to experience things as they show up, to just be with how they are showing up right now. And as we do this, <clears throat> the mind may become more clearly aware more and more over time like a clean mirror that's just showing us what's passing through, what's coming up and what's passing through. Now, there's a lot of conditioning that we have to notice. So this requires a ton of patience. Um, What's ensnaring us in suffering or the conditioned habits that are keeping us from feeling free or happy in our lives become more apparent the more silence we can give this, the more we can practice and show up again and again. And there's a reason that this is called practice. You know, if you think about practice, if we decided to take up tennis, we, there's no way we could make ourselves be Serena Williams on our first day of tennis. Um, we'd have to learn a lot of skills and we'd have to drill with them and practice with them many, many times, year after year, and practice them in a certain way and under all kinds of different conditions, difficult conditions, you know, more relaxed practices. Maybe sometimes people become skilled at something because they're more persistent with it. So the musician Miles Davis 
my understanding, what I heard was that for years, he would close the door to his room and he would practice all day, every day. He would play all day, every day, day after day, year after year. He was more persistent. Serena Williams is more persistent. I've, I've known people who've become research scientists and they quickly became aware that they were going to have to show up and do experiment after experiment, year after year after year, willing to find out that what they were doing is ruling out things. Maybe no great discovery would ever come their way. But if they're going to be a research scientist, they had to be persistent. So what we have to be with this practice it's a practice it's not a perfection with us it's practice again and again and again and again sitting after sitting walking after walking month after month year after year showing up and persisting with noticing what's happening in any particular moment and what we're doing is improving our capacity to be with what's happening um eventually as time goes on to be with it without reacting to it not without thinking oh no uh, that was a bad sitting or without resisting it or without trying to control it or make it be a certain way so what's interesting is practice changes us if we just keep showing up and practicing mindfulness with whatever is happening it changes us over time just by our remembering and our persisting again and again with being aware or being mindful as much as we can in any particular sitting, hopefully more and more with time, but it takes time. So I was surprised recently to realize how practice had changed me over the years. Um, It made it possible for me to be in the emergency room with someone I love for hours with them screaming in pain. Now this was not an easy thing to be with. And as much had been done in terms of pain medication as could be done for my loved one. But it quickly became apparent to me that I had a choice. You know, I, I was helpless to change the pain, but my choice was I can either create a lot of suffering right now, get worked up or disturbed or, you know, upset about this, or I can just be here and be present. And actually, that's all I can do. So the years of practice had changed me so that it was clear to me I had a choice and that I could choose not to suffer anymore than I could just be with the pain, be with the person in pain. And interestingly enough, my loved, the one thing my loved one remembered about those eight hours in the ER was my face being next to him. So that was interesting. Now, without mindfulness, without awareness, our mind just continues to be reactive. And we get plenty of opportunity to see that when we show up for meditation practice. We get to see this when we sit and we forget to be mindful for periods of time. And the way this was expressed by one monk is, when mindfulness isn't in charge, the mind can't sit still. So the mind will just do what it does. Um, 
I described those experiences earlier as with the analogy of a pond that's been stirred up, the mud from the bottom has been stirred up. And that analogy is what happens to the mind when it's caught in what are normal human experiences that we call hindrances. So whether the mind's trying to to make things be the way we want, so-called greed, or change things so that they don't have to be a certain way we don't like, which is called aversion. Or we're trying to wake the mind up. It's just so sluggish or so sleepy or unaware that, you know, that's hindering us from noticing. Or the mind is restless, it's worried, it's concerned, it's caught up. Or it's full of doubt about us, about, you know, whether our practice is good enough. Um, Our practice is just letting the mind, letting ourselves show up again and again with mindfulness and become aware of those normal human hindrances. And when we notice them over time, over time the mind may become more and more calm, like a clear pond, like a clear mirror, more and more undisturbed. Um, This takes a long time. That's why it's called a practice. We have to practice, 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 practice. And then after a long time, our mind can be free of these hindrances, these common human experiences, and that's called quite secluded from these unskillful qualities called the five hindrances. So our work is to just keep remembering to be mindful. You know, you're sitting and you, you... sat down with the intention to be mindful, and then you go, oh, wow, I've just been sitting here thinking about something else. So we remember, okay, let me be mindful again. Let me be mindful of the fact that I was thinking. Let me be mindful of my breathing. Um, At first, that may only be once or twice during a sitting. Then it may be more times. Then it may be really frequent. So what we're doing is we're cultivating continuity of awareness or continuity of mindfulness. In other words, showing up again and again and again and again and stringing that together. Again, when that can happen over our years of practicing with this, then our mind may become more still, more spacious, more secluded. More frequently remembering to be mindful Um, after many years of sitting, begins to produce a sense sometimes that the mind has settled down. Um, That process of the mind becoming more calm or more still actually feels delightful, and it can feed more feelings of calm, more stillness, more delight. And that's what's called, you know, when the mind becomes collected or concentrated. Now, it's really important for us to remember that there's no right or wrong experience in this practice. Um, Mindfulness does not care what it's aware of. So we're not trying to have the perfect experience as we're sitting here. We're just trying to be mindful of whatever is here. Um, The range of experiences over time are, at times, it's not going to be clear. It's not going to be calm. Other times it may be very still very calm. Um, We're going to be with the winds, the storms, the earthquakes of human experience, and also with the periods of peacefulness or the periods of discovery or the periods of curiosity. 
And whether we see it or not, our practice of being with whatever is here, moment after moment, year after year, is cultivating a kind of unshakability that's very freeing. So we can learn to be with the very unpleasant, the very pleasant, um, to be with our minds and bodies in all kinds of states. So I was aware as I was with my loved one in this experience in the hospital that, you know, hospitals are full of a lot of caring health workers. I mean, I counted over 40 that worked with my loved one over the course of just a few days. However, it's not going to perfectly meet anyone's needs at all times. So sometimes things happen that were uncomfortable or awkward or, or were not meeting my needs. And what popped up because of the years of mindfulness was like four different choices at once. My mind would become aware, oh, I could go this way, I could say this, I could do that, or I could do this. And those choices were uh, opportunities to either be in more suffering, actually, as I saw them, I was like, yeah, that'll just create more stress, or to do something that felt kinder or more compassionate. That was kind of amazing that, you know, I didn't try to make that happen. Kindness or compassion or the opportunity for equanimity just showed up because I sat here for year after year watching what came up day after day and just practiced and practiced and practiced. So even if you haven't been meditating that long, you may experience an interesting moment in a sitting where, when something changes. Like, wow. That's interesting. Something just started or something just stopped. It can come as a surprise. And if you've been at this for a while, maybe you've had one of those moments when you realize that something that used to bother you no longer bothers you. It's no longer a thing. So, um, you know, we each get to experience illness, maybe injury, We certainly get to, if we're lucky and get to hang around long enough, we get to experience old age. So when I first started experiencing some of the arthritic symptoms of aging, I was like, oh man, I can't sleep at night, my hip hurts, you know. And over time I learned I had some spurring on one hip. And I've noticed over time that it's just become, okay, I'm going to sleep, it's going to hurt sometimes. Sometimes I'm not going to sleep. I'm just going to be with that. We're going to get plenty of opportunities in our lives to be with things that are unpleasant, pleasant, or you know, ideal or not ideal. And what happens when we practice year after year is that spontaneously opportunities will arise that where kindness will just show up. Compassion will just show up. Equanimity will show up because we've been here. So and I, I brought you several poems today. And another poem that I like is by the poet Anne Hillman. She writes, We look with uncertainty beyond the old choices for clear-cut answers to a softer, more permeable aliveness, which is every moment at the brink of death. For something new is being born in us if we but let it. We stand at a new doorway, awaiting that which comes, daring to be human creatures, vulnerable 
to the beauty of existence, learning to love. So I'll read that again. We look with uncertainty beyond the old choices for clear-cut answers to a softer, more permeable aliveness, which is at every moment at the brink of death. For something new is being born in us, if we but let it. We stand at a new doorway, awaiting that which comes, daring to be human creatures, vulnerable to the beauty of existence, learning to love. So over our years of practice, as the mud settles down, sometimes what's left is love, or these other qualities that show up when we need them. Another perspective on this process is offered by Eckhart Tolle. To know yourself as the being underneath the thinker, the stillness underneath the mental noise, the love and joy underneath the pain, is freedom, salvation, enlightenment. So my hope for all of us is that these gifts of practice and practice and practice arise within us over time, that we have the courage or persistence to just keep showing up and just keep reminding ourselves to be mindful, and that that ultimately frees us up to be the kindness, compassion, and equanimity that this world in turmoil around us could benefit from. So thank you.